Brother Lang, what's going on there with him and the, and the cancer? God would answer prayer there that he wouldn't have to go through the chemotherapy. I know their desire is to be back on the field. And I know why they're losing their support is because they're not on the field right now. And not able to be on the field right now. So just pray for them. Um, take your Bible and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <coughs> I'm going to start out in the first part of the chapter, and then we're going to drop down to the bottom of the chapter, the last part. Um, you know, we know that every book in the Bible points us to Christ. He is the theme of the Word of God. Salvation is, is the theme of the Word of God, uh, along with bringing God glory in our life. Um, and in each book we see God's will, and that, that is that all men know that He is God. We, know, we can see it in in uh, Genesis all the way through Revelation. We see it in this passage as well. And I, I just have two points tonight. Um, the last point has several sub-points, but um, there will be judgment and, and we are the ones. Now that's, I don't want to sound arrogant. <laughs> we are not the ones, but we are given a job. We are the ones that are the ambassadors for Christ. And I, I want to look at some things uh, in the context of missions tonight in this passage, we're going to begin by reading verse 1 through 6, and then we'll have a word of prayer. It says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh, cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say, shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. I, I am convicted every time I read this verse. We hear about missions around the world and, and the great need. And Mr. Martin would always talk about how much... Baptists have dropped the ball over the last hundred years. When a country was open, when it had been closed for a while and the doors opened up, every other religion beat us there. We're always the last one. And it's because we're sleeping. We're not watching and sober as we should. And, and we need to be daily aware of this. I want to have a word of prayer. And I just want to look at the judgment that God has for the lost briefly, and then um, the last part of this chapter, how we ought to live in relation to missions. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time tonight. Lord, as we consider the Great Commission, as we consider, uh, Father, your will is that all men come to repentance. Lord, your will is not that we... That we um, simply come together and worship, but Lord, that we are active in reaching out Wichita Falls and, and all around the world. Father, as we um, are close to our missions conference, Lord, prepare our hearts for that time, but Lord, tonight challenge us the great need that is around the world. Father, that we as an individual, each individual here, Father, if we claim the name of Christ, we are to be active 
watching and sober. Just work tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. It says, verse 3, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. He's talking about when the Lord comes back. You know that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. We don't know the time or the hour. No man does. Only the Father knows that. But we know that when it happens, those that are lost are without hope. It ought to give us some urgency. We, 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 are, we are so used to hearing this, so used to seeing numbers even, and I'm going to read about both Iraq and Algeria tonight. Two countries that are persecuting Christians. Two, Christ, two countries that are, that are widely unreached. And they're dangerous to go into. So we've, we've let that part of the world go, what we call the 1040 window. Now I praise the Lord in my lifetime, or at least in the last 20 years, there has been an awareness of that and at least more of an effort to reach those folks. But this, the truth is that most of that area is still closed to the gospel, and we don't go. I'll never forget what Noah George said, and I've said it before, but he, he stood here in a missions conference in 2015, I believe it was the year he was here, and said, there is not a closed country on this planet if you're not worried about coming home. If you're not worried about coming home, we, we have this idea that we might go over there and die so we don't go. So millions are, are losing their lives every day having never heard the gospel. When the, when the rapture happens and we are mercifully taken out of this world, are we going to have regrets? I can look back and I believe I will. I believe I will. There's, there's folks that I could have reached out to that I did not. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1 says, This destruction cometh suddenly and without remedy. It's a very simple verse. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. You can read that verse and say, well, he hardened his neck over and over and over. And yes, he was stubborn, and, and, and the punishment is just. But we have the privilege and the responsibility of continuing to go and give the gospel. I wonder how much we truly have the mind of Christ. And, and, I, and I'm not standing up here to browbeat anyone. I, I want you to know that this, is, this message is for me. I am so, I get so just, I don't know, distracted. We can get our mind off of the field. We can get our mind on mundane, stupid little things and let time go by. Not reach out to anyone, not truly having the mind of Christ. Mark chapter 6 Mark chapter 6 is a familiar story. Um, this is before they, they fed the 5,000. In verse 31 through 34, <clears throat> 
Verse 31 gives the situation. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Jesus talking to the apostles. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They're, they're busy. They've been ministering to people, and, and uh, it's wearing them out. And Jesus knows their physical condition. And he was a man as well, so physically he was tired. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto them. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. This has always challenged me every time I read this passage. The human tendency is, I've been working night and day, I'm going to go over here, and I deserve a break, I'm going to take a rest. Well, as soon as Jesus gets over there to take the rest, the multitude is beating there. And the human tendency would be like, um, no, you can wait. I need my rest. I've been working hard. I, I, don't, I don't have time right now. I don't have the physical strength right now. And yet he looked out upon them and was moved with compassion. He saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. He saw their soul. And I want, to, I want to have the mind of Christ so when I look out, I don't see a person. I don't see some sinner. I don't look out and see someone who's just, who's just being worldly and, and hateful and, and, and an aggravation to me, but I can look out and see there's a lost individual and then have compassion. There's no compassion if we don't see the soul. If Jesus didn't look at them that way, We lose our compassion, and it is why missions has not proceeded farther than it has. John chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Every missionary has preached this message, I'm sure, because the call is, look. Look up across the world and see the need and be moved with compassion. Let's have, let's have a heart for those that are lost and dying without Christ. When I was 19, we were down in Belton, Texas, and standing around in this, in this room that was probably about a third the size of our auditorium. Mr. Martin had printed out every unreached people group in the world on that old printer paper that had the holes on the side. I don't remember what it was called, but it was all perforated together. And so that whole stack was stuck together. And we stood around in a circle, and we went all the way around that room, started at Mr. Martin, and went all the way around in number 11 font, listed down through all of those papers, unreached people groups around the world. And I remember standing there, just feeling like I had failed feeling like there was so much more that I needed to be doing. Having my heart stirred just by paper, 
but it was people groups represented all around the room. And then I remember several years later working a job back in Wyoming on an, on an ironworking crew, loving the work that I was doing, and I could go weeks without thinking about missions because I got my eyes off the harvest. We don't know when he's coming back. We don't know how much time we have here. Our time is short, even if it is 80 years. I thought about my life and the span of eternity. It's not much. It's very little. And what am I doing for the cause of Christ? Lift up your eyes and look on the field. We have these, I think there's 35 flags in here. Representing countries from all over the world. Some of them more evangelized than others. Some of them with very little outreach. Look at Pakistan or, or uh, back there is Turkey. Country that is Muslim and, and antagonistic toward the gospel. They are in great need. You know, 86% of gospel preaching men in the world live in America. When I read that statistic, it convicted me greatly. 86% of us are here in the United States. There's still a great need in the United States, but it, it shouldn't be that way. I, asked, I told my dad that, and he looked at me and goes, well, what are you doing? Well, what are you doing? I said, thanks, Dad. <laughs> but he's right. What are we doing? Are we sending people? 86%. Sudden destruction comes to those that are lost. Verse 14, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we have another very familiar passage through, verse 20, through the rest of the passage here, through the rest of the chapter, says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that is that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I read this passage and I thought, well, it's not really missions-minded, but it is. When you first read over it, this is the way we ought to live. This is the way we ought to live. And when I have my mind fixed on these things, when this is the way I'm living, I'm going to have burden, I'm going to have compassion for others around me. Pray without ceasing. You cannot walk in fellowship with God without Him showing you the lost around you. Without Him pointing out to us the countries that need someone. 
without him taking the, the cares of this life and all of the concerns of this life and just putting it on the back burner. They lose all their value and their importance. A career in this life loses its importance when I'm walking with God. Nothing wrong with having a career. Please do not get me wrong. But we are the ones that are to do the job of the Great Commission. It was given to the local church. Victory Baptist Church, if it was only church in the world, God does not give impossible commands. To warn the unruly, it says in verse 14. Warn them that are unruly. How many have we told? How many have we told in the year 2022 about Christ? How many have we, how many have we warned of the coming destruction? There's always this story. If you saw someone that was stepping off a cliff into a fire and you knew that they were going to die and you had the ability to come and pull them back from that you would stop and do everything that you could to save their physical life. And that's the right thing to do. But we can go through life without a care as thousands step off into eternity every single day. Over 100,000 people die in our world every day. 43 to 46,000 of those have never heard the gospel not one time. You say, what can I do about it? Well, the first thing we can do is, is pray, but secondly, we can go out here right now and warn people. We can tell them about it. Warn the unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Are you comforting people? We comfort them with the gospel. How about being patient? Verse 15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves, so right here among us, never render evil for evil unto any man. The Bible says it's impossible that offenses, but that offenses will come. The Bible also says, I, will love, thy, I love thy law. Uh, how, how does that go? What is it? Um. What's that? Great peace they have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And nothing shall offend them. That verse is incredible to me. So you can be offended. There will be offenses. But if I love the law of God, I have peace and I'm not offended. I will never render evil for evil. Never. Among the believers and out in the world. Out in the world. You say, what's that have to do with missions? Well, it's showing the love of Christ. It's showing the love of Christ to all men. Rejoice evermore. This is being content. I was looking at verse 16 through 18, and I just put them under this subheading. Be content. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. <laughs> we can say, well, I can rejoice evermore and I can, I can strive to pray without ceasing. I, I want to walk in fellowship with God. I always go back to Mr. Martin's explanation of that for me. He was preaching the one day and he said, praying without ceasing is being close enough in fellowship with God that a moment I sin, I turn to him and I say, I failed you. I'm aware of it every single time and I, and I do not want that fellowship to be broken. It's precious and, and, and I cherish it and I strive moment by moment by moment to keep it. That's praying without ceasing. It's obviously we cannot stay on our knees uh, 24 hours a day praying, but we can be in fellowship with God. We look at those two and we think, well, those are not, not uh, unattainable, but verse 18, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. His will for you is that you're thankful in all in all things. In all things. One o'clock in the morning when we hear across the upstairs and it's one of those two fuzzy-headed boys right there coming downstairs. I'm not, a, not often real thankful. Now my wife's looking at me like, you don't do anything about it. <laughs> she generally takes care of the kids at night. But it wakes us up and we're thinking, I'm going to strangle them. I wonder what it takes to get in our life where we're thankful in everything. In everything. Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want to have this contentment in my life. It's also being submissive. Verse Verse 19 through 22, where did not quench the Spirit? Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And abstain from... Or just 19 through 21. I'll get the 22 in a second. Quench not the Spirit. You know, when I saw the Lord really start working in my life again, and I've given this testimony, but I'm thankful for His mercy. At 29, I knew that I wasn't walking with God. I knew my life was just, just like I was in a hamster in a cage, just spinning my wheels. I wasn't getting anywhere. Nothing was happening in my life. And I knew that all of my time was wasted. And I really kind of hated myself at the point. Like, what a worthless life. And I finally just went back and surrendered to God. And I made Him a promise, and I wish I could keep it every day of my life. But I said, I'll never say no again. I'll never say no again. So there were some things he had, he had given me to do, and I just I was Jonah, and I ran the other way. Some things, some opportunities that God had given me that didn't appeal to me in my flesh. And I quenched the Spirit, and for that I lived in this life of just meaninglessness. And I finally said, Lord, I'm never saying no again. You know, that ought to be every one of us' mantra every single day. Lord, I will not say no. 
Every time he gives us direction, say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. How many more people would be on the mission field if we never quenched the Spirit? We're not surrendered. We're not submissive. Quench not the Spirit. Hold fast that which is good. And lastly, we're to be holy. And it says, abstain from, uh, yes, abstain from all appearances of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Abstain from all appearance of evil. I remember back when Mike Pence was vice president. Those were good days. <laughs> And the media gave him such a hard time because he said, I will not meet with a lady in a room, just the two of us, that's not my wife. I'm not going to do it. And they said, what a sexist, what a pig, what a jerk. And I looked at him and I thought, there's a man of honor. He's not going to appear evil no matter what. He loves and cherishes his wife. And he's doing the right thing. And I... And I was inspired by that. I, I, I admire him for that stand that he took. Because whether anything ever happened in that room, it had the appearance of evil. He said, I'm abstaining from all appearance of evil. That is the Christian walk. Not in hypocrisy, but just wanting my life to be holy and blameless and pure before God, that the people around look and they cannot bring an accusation against you. Abstain from all appearances of evil. You know, he started this passage, this chapter with letting us, reminding us, I, I, I don't have to tell you that the time is short, but that's a reminder of the time is short. There's, there's going to come a day when the Lord is going to come back and that trumpet's going to blow and we're going to be out of here in the twinkling of an eye. And I want to be watching. I want to be sober. I want to be ready when that time comes. And if a church is not active in missions, we're not sober and we're not ready. These instructions were given. If I can get this in my life, if I can be, if I can be loving and kind... I can warn the unruly, comfort the weak, be patient to those around me every single day of my life, be content, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, giving thanks for all things, led by the Spirit and holy in my life. You know, I'm ready then to serve the Lord. I'm prepared when He calls me to go. And, I, and we, we uh, read the story of Moses when he was in the way God called him. He was walking where God wanted him to be and he called him. And that's the challenge to all of us. I wonder, what would happen if God said, you know, I want you to drop everything and I want you to go to the country of Turkey. Can we be submissive and say, yes, Lord, rejoice evermore, be thankful in all things? 
It would be a challenge. It would be a total change in life. But we don't have to worry about what God asks us to do. He said, those I will, that I've given you, I will do it. Faithful is he that calleth you, verse 24, who also will do it. Sometimes I've wondered if it isn't just... Now I'm going to go radical and extreme here. I'm wondering if sometimes God wouldn't just call an entire church to say, you know what, we're going to go. We're going to go. The country of Algeria, see the population of Algeria... did not print. I don't have the population of Algeria, but I do have some, some statistics about this country. There's 22 languages. They have a literacy rate of 80%. The Christian population in Algeria, Algeria is completely in the, right at the northern point of Africa. It's between Morocco and Tanzania and Liberia, uh, Libya. Completely up in the northern point, controlled by the Muslims. It's in the Sahara Desert. Christian percentage is 0.3%. Now that, like I said a couple weeks ago, that encompasses everything. Catholics, everything that follows the Word of God somewhat. (laughs) And then evangelicals are even less. It's 0.2%. The Muslim religion is 97.3%. The people groups in it in the country are 40 people groups. The least reached of those people groups, there's 36. And 59% of that country is unevangelized. Unevangelized. That's Algeria. A fairly large country. And then there's Iraq. And all we know about Iraq is what we hear in the, in the news. According to, uh, oh, what is this place? What, I can't think of anything tonight. Um, what is this website? Help me out. Operation World, thank you. The emergence of Iraqi Arab evangelicals in recent years is an answer to prayer. Many of them come from Muslim and even extremist backgrounds, they, but they encountered Christ through evangelical witness, gospel radio, and especially through... now. We're all going to shake our head on this. It says, especially through dreams and visions of Jesus. Pray for leaders of the church. Many fled the countries and others died, often targeted by Islamists. Many times the Christian widows of these leaders continue with the evangelical and discipleship work. It's amazing to me, when I was in, in Lebanon, Matt and I were over there with Brother Noah George, he gave testimony of some of those that had had dreams and came out and got saved. And I thought, I looked at him funny the first time he said that. But it's the mercy of God. I'm not, I don't believe we have visions. They're not learning new things about God. This one young man, this one young man had a dream, and in his dream it told him to go and find someone to tell him about Jesus. 
And he looked and looked until he found someone that would tell him about Jesus. And that young man got truly saved. Loves the Lord and is living for the Lord. So God is working in these countries in ways that sometimes make us raise our eyebrows a little bit. But you know, in in Iraq, the population is 41,179,351. The population under 15 years old is 38%. They are... Uh, The official languages are Arabic and Kurdish. There's 26 languages. They're 79% literate. 1.6% is Christian and 0.02% is evangelical. The largest religion, of course, is Muslim at 95.9%. 36 people groups and 59% unevangelized. Iraq suffered great upheaval in 1991 with the Gulf War, again in 2003 with the second Iraq War and the fall of Saddam Hussein, and yet again in 2013 with the rise of ISIS. While ISIS has been greatly reduced and Iraq is less unstable, the country's future remains uncertain. Pray for God to deliver this land from seemingly interminable conflict. War with the West brought great autonomy for the Kurdish area, a representative government, and some reforms in the economy, education, and health care. But the U.S. invasion led to a time of violence by Islamist militants, while Sunni and Shia uh, groups turned on each other. Many deep divisions run through the Iraqi society, Kurds against Arabs, Shias against Sunnis, several politicians against Islamist groups. Christians and other religious minorities lack true religious freedom. They face demands for bribes, kidnapping, destruction of their property, rape, and murder. Most Muslim political leaders want to see progress, but extremist groups continue to make the country unstable. Thank the Lord for the virtual elimination of the Islamic State, the ISIS, as a military force in the region. Their fighters seized partial control of Iraq territory in summer of 2014 and announced an Islamic State covering part of Iraq and Syria. Atrocities in the name of Islam against opponents and other ethnic and religious groups forced millions to flee for their life and brought further chaos to the region. While almost all of their territory has been retaken, the destruction and trauma they wrought remains, and their violent and brutal ideology remains a threat via the use of terror cells who are able to strike with little or no warning. Pray that Christians may minister life to those impacted by this evil. Pray also that ISIS survivors and former ISIS fighters might encounter the risen Jesus who forgives all sins and heals all wounds. This is just two countries, and, and the book that I have was printed back in 2010. It's, it's easily that thick, with much more information on each country than what I have printed out here. They have updated most of that, and it's online Information is, is unbelievable about the need around the world. We look at Iraq, and we hear about the atrocities and the danger that is there. But can we look past that and see the great need? <laughs> Quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. I'm not saying that the Lord is going to call any of us to the mission field this year or next year. But if he does, are we going to be willing 
We can have a million excuses. Moses told the Lord, I can't speak. I'm not good at the speaking. And God said, who created your mouth? Moses was 80 years old. 80 years old. And God said, go and take my people out of Egypt. He is wanting to use us. We're the last. We're not the last. We are the ones given the job. Lift our eyes and look on the fields. There's lost all around us. Do we have the compassion that Christ had? Father, thank you again for our time. Lord, I, I know your will is that all men hear the gospel. Your will is that, that we fulfill the Great Commission. Lord, I also know that it is something that as a church, you've given us the call. And as individuals in the church, Father, we all play a role in it. We all have a part and a job. And Lord, help us to be humble, submissive, content, Lord, in serving you. And Lord, ready whenever you give us the call. Lord, we ask that this week, starting Wednesday, Lord, the preaching would be powerful. And, and Lord, our hearts would be tender that you would challenge us, Lord, that our mission's burden would increase, Lord, our vision would increase, Father, that we will just trust you, Lord, to use us in a greater way. Work mightily this week, Lord, and we'll praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for being here tonight.